Welcome to the Double Shot with James and Mitch. Mitch being the birthday boy. Happy birthday, buddy. Thank you very much, James, and pleasure to be here. Yeah, 33, it's just uh, sort of getting less and less exciting each year. It's uh, a nice birthday, number. Isn't it? it is, yeah, yeah, but no, feeling good, feeling young. And, uh, yeah, re- re- ready to attack the year ahead, James. So, as promised, I said I would let you lead the podcast this week. I'll give you the first, say, I'll give you the first two segments. So, if you want to use it all on golf, uh, go for it. Look, um, I think, but uh, I'll, I'll let you go rogue here. Yeah, I said... I don't want a present from you this year, James. I just want two minutes of clean air off the top to get me golf. To get me go- golf. You said five there. minutes. You said five. But yeah, nah, two, two is fine. No. Look, the, the biggest thing in the world of golf, and uh, apologies in advance, listeners, just turn down the dial for 30 seconds and turn it back up if you don't want to hear it. But Tiger Woods teed it up at the Genesis, which is a mm-hmm. competition at Riviera Country Club in, in, in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Teed it up for the first time since the Masters in April of 2023. He withdrew from the Masters on Sunday because he had a you know a bunch of issues with his leg from a car crash, the mm-hmm. you know, proceeding to use. Mate, not looking good. Withdrew again due to illness, but wasn't lo- looking like he was moving around too well. So, yeah. mate, it was, a, it was a shame to see because, you know, every golf fanatic will tune in to watch Tiger Woods um, mm. because, you know, you just can never rule him out of a contention in a comp. But, yeah, it wasn't great to see him. Other than that, congratulations to Hideki Matsuama who um, came from nowhere uh, this morning, which was Sunday in the US, to win the Genesis. Um, ha- had a nine-under round uh, in final to, to win. So that's uh, a Japanese fella. Major winner, and um, look, that's probably the the. I'll get my golf stuff done. That call it done, hey Jack. What bad. about the the guy that got the ticket? Um, how's he gone since he uh, he won as an amateur? Oh, we talked Nick about he missed, he missed out on all the money. Came last the next week. Oh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he turned pro, so obviously missed the money, turned pro, came last at Pebble. But, no, he's still um, – he, he hasn't qualified for signature events, so we haven't seen a lot of him in, in the major ones. So, right. anyway. Well, look, we do have a, a golf-related thing that we'll get to a little bit later on. We won't, we won't start there, but um, I, did, I did notice too, we do seem to have a fair few sports – Fans, because there was a lot of people sending me some texts and and uh, direct messages on uh, the socials, loving the Damien Hardwick interview last week. Yeah, um, nice. So, and quite a lot of people I've noticed listened to it. Must be like first drop because Thursday morning mm. I had four or five people, and uh, it would not surprise you that Clifford Turtleneck was the first <laughs> one to reach out to me. Shout out Clifford, our crock wearing loyal listener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was the first one to text me at about. Uh, uh, you know, quarter to seven, so yeah. 45 minutes after it dropped. But um, no, so it was a few sports fans. So we might not be losing all of them uh, in some of the sports talk. But what I'm sure we, and 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 I, I'd like you to go here next because mm. uh, this is your your piece too. You wanted mm. to run this a couple of weeks ago mm. and we didn't have the, uh, the time. This will engage a lot of people streaming. There oh. is a war being waged at the moment. Yep. And I guess it's come up in our office because a few people have been cancelling their Foxtels. Lately, yeah, haven't they? They have, and um, and it's probably you know in light of all of the available streaming platforms out there that you can get for what's yeah, what's Foxtel cost? Are you a Foxtel guy? Out I'm, of I'm not, but Big Dog, who who uh, you know we know really well. Yeah. he said that it was up to nearly 150 bucks a yeah, month. Yeah, so I've for been him. hearing 120 to 150 a month, and obviously that's probably getting the full suite of channels. Um, but most of the people I know use Foxtel for sport, um, in particular live sport. Which yeah, I've ca- got KO. So that that's 
Well, um, well, that's what I was going to say. I think KO, obviously owned by the same company, being News Limited, um, they obviously are getting much more interest in their KO platform, which is 25 to 30 a month. 30 and bucks, you get yep. pretty much every sport event available to you, don't you? That's um, that's well, on the, the streaming Foxtel quality network. is actually pretty good now. Yeah. Like it didn't start out that good, but but it's it's like same as TV these days. But it's it's not just sport. Like um, people like streaming platforms. So who's winning the war? Talk us through this. You, well, you've done you've done one of the more comprehensive analysis. If you could do, in fact, this much <laughs> research in your job, <laughs> you you would be going places. <laughs> I've already got to all the places I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so I think as far as volume or, or, you know, subscriptions, Netflix has got the market covered. Yep. So Netflix has about 6 million subscribers um, in, in, a, Australia, in Australia. Out of 26 million correct. people, six there's million, only well, 10 million houses. Co- correct. So 6 million subscribers. Wow. Um, and then the, the rest trickle off at sort of 2 or 3 mil. Um, obviously, people have multiple accounts, so it's going to equal more Still. than the population. But, yeah, you've got Disney. Disney, Amazon and Stan um, sort of all level pegging and then it sort of trails off to binge um, and that type of thing. But what I've noticed lately is they're getting a bit crafty, these streaming platforms. And when I say crafty is they're pushing prices but they're doing it in a way that you don't have to increase your price. You just have to forego some quality of your service. So, for example, Disney, about $13.99 a month. They've pushed prices to about $17.99 a month, but you don't have to opt in for this premium service, but you will lose the ability to watch stuff in HD and you also will lose the ability to watch um, multi- or multiple streams at once. So that'll limit you to one stream. So whatever you signed up originally, yes. you're in the best streaming yes, quality. Yes, you're in the premium service at the moment. So right. $13.99 gets you four streams, HD, all that. You've got to go four bucks extra a month to get that now. Um, you know, And then Netflix have gone similar where... Um, they're going to push prices, but they've also introduced a $6.99 subscription, which gets you the same service, but you got to put up with ads. So I thought that one was pretty interesting. They just mm. did that in the US last year. I mean, so. it was a matter of time before ads made their way into streaming, <clears throat> right? Yeah, and, you know, like st- the, the federal government's introducing, um, you know, a bunch of stuff that's going to effectively make these streaming platforms spend money on Australian um, broadcasting and shows and that type of thing. So the, the mm. like Albo's trying to propose that based on the streaming volumes in here, you've got to spend a certain amount of money per annum on mm. movie production for Australian, you know, shows and that type of thing, which I thought was interesting. So getting more expensive to stream into Australia um, mm. and, the, yeah, the, the pivoting, ducking we've and got a, We've got a one-in-one-out policy in our household. So we've got yep. three. <clears throat> KO is one of them. Yeah. Netflix and then we've got Amazon. But mm. um, if we've ever gone – Netflix has been a staple. Yep. And normally we've, you know, jumped in and out of ones like Stan, Disney, Apple. We've been on all of them. Yep. But I just find two of the sort of non-sports streaming, outside of that, it's hard to actually have enough time to properly get through what they're uploading every month anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I mean, it's like... What are you the, rocking? Yeah, I'm rocking Netflix mainly and then got a couple of others um, courtesy of some beautiful colleagues in the office. But um, <laughs> I only pay for Netflix and... Who? Uh, Dob them in. <laughs> no, no. Shout out. <laughs> no, <laughs>
if you had the choice, yeah. you're trying to you're trying to maybe wheel in one extra service, and you're thinking, well, maybe I could just cut down my level of subscription on one of these other ones and fit in a, another streaming service. Yeah, are you opting for lower stream quality? Or ads. No, no. If you had the choice, like if you were going to find a saving and you either had to drop the streaming quality yep. or you had to cop some ads, what are you going for? Reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, there is no way I'm watching this streaming service in anything other than 4K for yep. starters. It just yep. does my head in, especially yep. sport. Like I would never, yep. ever agree to that. Yep. And then ads, I'd pro- like if I only had those two options, I'd probably go ads. Because, you know, you just get up and do something while the ads are it's on. It's ads for sure for Yeah, me. like ads I'm not Ads don't I'm really not bother me. They don't. Like, you know, I'm, in fact, I'm probably interested in what they're plugging out there. I might find myself a nice couple of products during the ads. You never know. So, yeah, <laughs> what ads, about, ads, what ads about you, JB, before we wrap this up? Ads. Yeah, I think, ads, I think uh, that. Uh, consensus ads. In a cost of living crisis, I think putting up with ads to save yourself, what, eight <laughs> bucks a month on Netflix? <laughs> Mate, not bad. <laughs> If we're in the minority, we might be in the minority. But it'd be like watching TV drunk, you were saying. I was going to say, yeah, you'd be squinting at it. It'd be um, <laughs> like a, oh, I'm not going to dob her in, but there's a particular Christmas party Yahoo that gets around these walls and she drinks Fireball like it's going out of fashion. It'd be like watching, her, watching shows through her eyes. Jeez, we dragged on that uh, intro, didn't we? Population in Australia has exploded, Mitch, in the past 12 months. Uh, But, and we're going to talk about that, but the sale of new cars has also exploded. Uh, The price of used cars, like just cars in general, have been Mm. in high demand through COVID and and beyond. And what was interesting this week to me was the top sellers. Yeah, the results are in for 2023. And, mate, massive interest from the Australian population in utilities, otherwise known as utes. And yeah. uh, what's taken the cake is the Ford Ranger. Mm. Ford Ranger's sold. Doesn't surprise me. Like oh, oh, that, that did not surprise me that the no, Ford Ranger it, it was doesn't. the number one. And closely followed by the Hilux, which was also. Not I thought surprising. they. I thought they were maybe slightly on the nose. Whereas that was uh, that was a real close contest, wasn't it? It was. So sixty three thousand Ford Rangers sold um, in calendar year twenty twenty three, and sixty one thousand Hiluxes sold. So I, m- I imagine that is all sort of types of Hiluxes and, and Rangers because they're, they're obviously different types. Um, but, yeah, th- those two, though, were well and truly ahead of the field. I think third coming in was Isuzu, the D-Max ute, which is like that more affordable yep. ute option, and they sold about 31,000. They sponsor Survivor, I've noticed. Isuzu. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do big see. In, big, in, big in Survivor, yeah. Isuzu. Yeah, so 31,000 there and then sort of the SUVs kind of trickled away. Interesting to note Tesla coming in at six. With the model, tw- with the model Y, model Y, yeah. with twenty eight thousand um, units sold. So that's their sort of mini SUV. Type mini, of thing. mini SUV. Oh, is it the yeah, one with the, 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 one the butterfly wings? Is that one? No, 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 no. Smaller one. Smaller one. Yeah. Ah, okay, cool. And then yeah, the big Land Cruiser. Geez, if you can afford, there's twenty six thousand people that could afford a Land Cruiser in Australia at about one hundred and thirty gigas a pop. That's good going. That is good going. So there you go. Um, not surprising, to be honest. I thought um, all of those models that appeared in the top 10 were ones I see regularly on the road. So, Yeah, the RAV4 at number four did surprise me. The RAV4. I don't see as many RAV4s. But anyway, other than that, fairly predictable list. Yeah, absolutely. So 
as we've spoken about on the pod a couple of times before, like migration over 2023 calendar year was massive, right? Yeah. But I think once you dig down into what's happening, you obviously separate that migration between, you know, overseas migrants, students, and there's some interesting takeaways um, for, for students. In fact, they're saying there was a dip in students arriving in Australia in the last half of 2023. But you've sort of mm. dug a layer deeper and, and sort of unpacked those numbers. What have you sort of found there? Well, I guess the headlines were 180,000 students leave in November, December, leave Australia, which if you read that headline, you think, wow, that's like a lot of people. Um, but I think maybe just to, to give people context, the Australian population before COVID, right, let's, let's just go before COVID, was growing by roughly 250,000 overseas migrants a year. Yeah. And about 100,000 of those were students. So we've got a really yep. big um, international student interest in Australia, and then the other 150 was uh, 150,000 was people migrating not as a student but rather as a worker to, mm. to settle down here. Mm. Uh, in the back half of last year, so the months that they've highlighted correctly is you had 180,000 students leave in November, December. Yeah, but I reckon that's pretty normal because you think about it, they're probably going home to visit family because the students, uh, the school, the university semester finishes um, October for you, November for everyone else, um, and then restarts in about March from memory. So you, you've got that December, January, November, December, January, February, where you're going to have probably people going back and then, and then obviously coming back into the country. Mm. Um, so I don't think it's that big a deal. But what is interesting is there was 50,000 between July and December a net increase of 50,000 students, which was half of what it was the year before. But to me, 50,000, roughly half of the 100,000, you know, before COVID, yep. I think we're just getting back to normal. Yeah. So you're saying that basically the last year was a bit of an anomaly whereby you had probably a pent up demand from the COVID years funneling in. And now we've just normalized um, back, back sort of on trend for yeah, well, long-term average. Well, we literally had, as I said, 250,000 was the normal number before COVID yeah. in terms of overseas migration. We brought 500,000 people into the country last year. So it was double the normal rate. And you see that in the student numbers. Yeah. It's basically half of what it was the year before. So the back end of 2023, 50,000. Back end of 2022, it was 100,000. So, yeah. so things are just sort of, I think, getting back to normal. Yeah. The test will be in, in February, March, of course, because that's when the student um, or the, the university um, semester kicks off again. Mm. So how many people come back? Uh, will, will be interesting to see. Um, at the other end of the equation, though, the permanent arrivals for overseas workers is not slowing down. Well, they've recently tried to, you know, change the policy on all that to curb migration. You know, we spoke about it a, a couple of... Bring it back from the 500 yeah, at least. Right. Yeah, that's right. Like, so, you know, because 500 is just not, not sustainable, particularly no when we've got housing crisis already, cost of living, all that type of thing. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting to see that that's not slowing down. Um, we'll see what happens over this year. it be interesting to watch. So, so yeah, normally that would be 150, 200,000 people just in the last 600 months. 200,000 in the last 
six months of the year. of a calendar year for a population of 26 million or, or thereabouts is phenomenal. And October, November, December, almost all of those months double what they were in 2022. So whilst student migration might be coming back a little bit, mm. uh, permanent migration for, for workers doesn't seem to be changing uh, too much. Hey, question without notice back on the students theme. So mm. we probably have a few students that listen to us or maybe not, but if we do, mm. I know that you were a, a pretty good university student um, as far as budgets. I've read your book. You obviously yes. uh, were very yes. diligent in that. What's your go-to university cheap meal that you can get by for, for not a lot of dollars? You know, this is this is a very, very good question. My, my sister once, my youngest sister once called me in a, in a fit on a, I think it was a, a Sunday night. She'd, blown it over the weekend and she'd, uh, <laughs> she basically had to get, get through to Thursday when she got paid. Yeah. And she said, what do I do? And I was like, oh, man, please, easy. Here's your shopping list. Go down to Woolies. Uh, tuna and rice. You oh, cannot go wrong <laughs> with a tin of like the Woolies so 80 cent tuna. I was going to say, that's that's where it can make and break your budget is the type of tuna you get. Yeah, no, you're not going Serena. No, Unfortunately, no, not, you, not, you, not, Serena's beyond you at that point. Nah, Serena's are three or four years after you're in full-time employment, I reckon. And, you, and, and if you really want it, like if you really like, don't like the taste of tuna. You can get these curry-flavoured tunas that you can put on your rice. You might as well be having gourmet Indian, I reckon, the way that, the way that, the way yeah, that, that comes the, out. I know the ones you're talking about. But oh, what I'm was a, yours? Uh, mate, I was a ramen guy. Like I loved the two-minute noodles and all the various yes, versions. Yes. But the key is um, you got to go into the Asian supermarkets, you know, like the uh, Asian grocers, and in there, like same price as your Maggi numbers, but just like it's gourmet compared to those. So And... If you're not after as much nutrition, <laughs> a pack of 24 sausages and a loaf of bread. I I get like, you to, to be honest, back in those days, I was more <laughs> a Benson and Hedges smooth than a coffee. <laughs> Mitch, been getting peppered by people about the Greens who... Uh, Tell you what, they've got a voice these days, don't they? They're, they're big on, uh, they're on a crusade about housing affordability. So they seem to have sort of really made housing affordability one of their causes, which is great, by the way. Um, but they're, uh, they're they're sort of putting some ideas out there, negative gearing in, in the press this week, which uh, the Treasurer and, and Prime Minister sort of said, look, that, that's not something we're going to do. It's all coming up because the government is trying to get through their help to buy initiative where the government will basically um, buy 40% of the home with you, mm. which reduces obviously the, the repayments. Yeah. Your, which is, I think, a, a great initiative personally. Sure. Uh, let's move away from that though, because you've got, uh, a, a, I guess, a, an idea or a, a part of housing affordability that isn't getting a lot of attention. No, and I, you reckon it should be getting more. Yeah, I, I definitely think it should be getting more and it's stamp duty that you're referring to. Um, point one, stamp duty, for those of you who don't know, is effectively a charge that you pay to the state government for transferring title on, you know, an asset. Um, so house. it literally used to be, the way it started was it was literally a fee. Mm. If you and I are going to, you want to sell the house to me? Yep. You've got to pay the government to just stamp the papers stamp the and officially recognise that I'm now the owner. That's right. You've got to pay it even if you want to transfer it from, say, you know, myself to a family member. Stamp duty gets paid every time that the, the title changes effectively. Ten minutes work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think it's a, um, it's, a, it's a bogus charge, but either way, 
The thing that I'm we don't get a lot for it, do you? That's why it's bugs. You don't get a lot for it. You don't get it back. Um, It's sort of and look, there are concessions out there for first home buyers and all the rest of it. Refer to you know the state policies in in your respective states. But I think the the biggest problem with stamp duty is it's tiered. So Mm. like you, it's calculated as far as the value of the asset. So for example, a you know more expensive home is going to attract a higher rate of stamp duty, similar to like taxable income really, like you go in brackets. Yeah, almost the same discussion we had, when was that, two or three weeks ago about how they're dropping the tax rate because as people's income increases, more people jump into the higher tax brackets. That's right. And so so bracket creep, which is exactly what James is referring to, is applicable to stamp duty. And I found it crazy that since the 1990s, the proportion of home buyers basically nationally paying a stamp duty cost equivalent to 3% or more. So people paying 3% or more for stamp duty has gone... Which must be the higher bracket. Correct. Has right. gone from 12% of transactions to 95%. 95? 95% of transactions. So 95% of people buying are paying 3% or more of stamp duty. And, you know, to give you a bit of context... How of do what, the state governments never have money? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Where's it going? Oh, mate, I tell you what. But um, like to give you some context on what your stamp duty bill is going to be for a median house, right? So $60,000 for a median house in Sydney, you'll pay in stamp duty. Um, you'll pay about 55000 the median, Melbourne. And the median in Sydney being One about po- 1.4 yeah, these so we're, days. Yeah, so we're doing just houses, right? Like obviously yeah, the median dwelling true. price is lower, but just houses, which is normally what 60 we tailor our numbers. Yeah, 60 grand a for a house in Sydney, 55 grand of stamp duty for a median house in Melbourne, 30000 for a which median... Which is not a... Like that's a similar amount well, you're what, for nine, a $500,000 less property. Well, exactly. So what, Victorian, Victorians are getting stiffed. Nato- N- Melbourne, and also that's grown. Stamp duty's grown the most in Victoria over the last six months. Um, right. Sorry, over the last period and, and now equates to about six months of income for a Victorian buying a property in terms mm. of the, the stamp duty cost. 30K in Bris, which is pretty good value, like your median house price in Brisbane. Is similar to Melbourne. Similar to days. Melbourne, but you're at, what, 25K less for stamp yep. duty. Adelaide stiff, 40,000. And your median house price is less than Brisbane. So you're paying more for a house in Adelaide. Sorry, you're paying more in stamp duty for a house in Adelaide despite the median being about 720000 versus, mm-hmm. you know, 900000 in, in Brisbane. Puts it in perspective. And then Perth, you're at 28000 in stamp duty, median house price six ninety. So Perth and Brisbane, probably your most valuable and, state. And New South Wales because they've they just got a high well, price. They've got right? a high price. So yeah. 60000 is quite good. Yeah, just um, they've got high prices. But yeah. They do. But um, you... you Which think about it, if you're buying the median, shouldn't they be the same state by state? Well, you'd think Shouldn't so. it all be indexed it, and it adjusted? Should be, it should be relative, it? right? But I guess you probably earn different household incomes in different states and it maybe takes that into account. But either way, like using Sydney for an example, the highest bracket of stamp duty is applied to houses that are in excess of 1.68 mil. In fact, applied to dwellings, obviously. Mm. But mm. the median house, as James said, in Sydney is 1.4. So if you're buying the median house in Sydney, you're in the highest bracket. And it's gone from having 2% of people purchasing in Sydney in 1986 to 43% today. Mm. So like, you know, almost half of people buying in Sydney are in the highest bracket, which makes sense. Or basically, you know, compare Brisbane and and, and, um, uh, Sydney, Mm. they're collecting double the fee on each home sale. Exactly right. Yep, they are. Brisbane, five in, um, you know, 5% 
up to 23%. That's the highest bracket applying from houses and, and dwellings valued over a million. Melbourne va- value over 960, 6% up to 33% since 2008. Hobart, Adelaide, um, you know, similar trajectories. But Adelaide's it, 75%. Incredible. Yeah, Adelaide, well, yeah. But but look at their bracket, right? Like Adelaide have, have got their high bracket applying from a house or dwelling valued over 500000 whereas your median house price is seven twenty. True, true. Um, you know, they probably sort of need mm. to adjust all that stuff. But either way, I think it was, um, like you say, it's not getting a lot of attention. I don't really hear anyone talk about it, but stamp duty is such a large cost and entry barrier for a lot of people getting into the market. Market. And well, those- you know, if you're in Sydney, you've got to save your 140000 for a 10% deposit mm. and then you nearly got to save another 50% on top of that for the stamp duty. Yeah, and that's a cost, right? Like you're generally not borrowing money yeah, to pay Yeah, nothing that. for it. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was um, that was an interesting takeaway. I reckon abolish stamp duty. I'd vote I'm for you. I've a gutful. I'd vote for you. <laughs> Hey, uh, uh, by the way, this the um, auctions. We know, normally don't really pay attention to the auctions outside of the the main sort of spring season, but had an absolute belter start to the year. Seventy five percent is what the auction clearance rate went at over the weekend. Sheesh, uh, which what, is really like high, a, like a balanced market. Yeah, that's sixty, that. yeah, sixty to seventy percent. And um, and again, to put it in perspective, there's about ten to fifteen percent more auctions happening than this time last year. And this time last year, we were clearing in that sort of sixty-seven percent so range. More? So clearing higher, higher percentage with yep. 10, 15 percent more auctions. So really, really, really strong start to the year. Yep. And uh, and rents though, just not slowing down, is it? Um, Mate, rents are firing. Like it's actually becoming. Um, well, concerning if you're looking for a rental property and concerning if you're a tenant, like I, I have so many friends that are sort of getting the tap on the shoulder from their property managers saying, hey, your, your yeah. lease is up and um, it's an extra 200 a week, which, you know, is, is not unfair by the landlord. Like yeah. they're just basically passing on a cost that, you know, you're going to incur anyway if you're going to look for somewhere else in the same area to live. Mm. But it is tough for a tenant to have to figure out how they can go and find 200 bucks a week to, to maintain the same yeah. premises they've been living in. So Vacancy rate down one from 1.3% to 1.1% December to January. Now, the, the only sort of, I guess, glimmer of hope is that that 1.1% in January is actually slightly higher than the 1% in January last year, but it's not sort of doing enough and it's mm. well below the, the 2 to 3% that we would consider a balanced market. And Perth and Adelaide, biggest takeaways for me, like critical. Both under 0.5%. So they're critical well under the average. Lows. And yeah, 2.5%, if that's a balanced market, Perth and Adelaide are um, significantly undersupplied. So um, yeah, cr- crazy. I, I don't certainly don't see it stopping. Uh, well, I certainly don't see rents stopping stop increasing in Perth and Adelaide. Um, and in Melbourne, Melbourne, Adelaide, um, uh, Canberra, Perth, Brisbane and Sydney, so the big, big cities, rents all increasing at 1% per month over the past 30 days. So yeah, wow. look, if, you, if you're a landlord, obviously you've got to push your, your rents. If you're a tenant, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's really uh, unfortunate. We've got to be doing more to put some affordable housing in there. If you can be a good tenant, you know, I reckon you'll get a discount. That should be the way of the world. Yeah. Um, you know, pay the rent on time, look after the joint. Um, and yep. try and sort of, you know, if you can really make a plan to get into the market. And I think, you know, 
be aware of what's transacting in your area as well. Like, you know, so, so they're not taking you for a ride and making sure that, you know, that it is sort of in line with market. Try to cut a deal potentially for, you know, more certainty, longer leases, that type of thing that you can have at your disposal. But yeah, it's um, tough going out there for a time. Um, we've gone a little bit over, so I'm going to hold off. I'm, I'm going to hold over yeah. the golf club um, uh, yeah, segment prob- prob- that we had. reached my quota on golf-related things this episode at the top. Well, uh, yeah, you did. You yeah. did. Yeah. No one, no one, like, yeah, anyway, it was, it was, we've had a dose. We'll give you another <laughs> dose next week. It'll be like a, a delayed uh, birthday gift for you. But um, good to have you back. By the way, what was Perth like? Well, oh, you, were yeah. in, you were in the Wild West in Adelaide last and week. Perth last week. Oh, Adelaide um, and Perth. Yeah, so it was a big week, but... Big week. Mate, it was hot. I, I think I followed around a heat wave. So <laughs> on Monday in a place called Gawler in Adelaide, it was 40 degrees. Oh and then days. on Thursday um, in Perth, it was 42 degrees. So I felt yeah. like I was uh, following a heat wave around. And then got back to beautiful Queensland on Friday early morning and it was absolutely P1 double fiving down. Yes. Mm. And, uh, and, and you know, what, what's the sort of the mood in Adelaide and Perth so respectively? Both cities buzzing. Um, both? Both cities buzzing. Adelaide sort of, they went through a long period without growth, right? Like, you know, sort mm. of 20 or 25 years where it sort of bubbled along, had a little bit of growth, bubbled along. They've never seen anything like what's happening at the moment. And wow. so they're sort of trying to, you know, like adjust to it as far as the state government with their infrastructure planning, like there's certain sewers at capacity, all of that type of thing. But mostly like developers are, are seeing this for the first time. So um, sentiment's great uh, from developer side um, and, you know, from a buyer side, I'm not sure. I'd imagine it's still tough going. I don't reckon Adelaide would have ever seen a half a percent vacancy rate. Right? No, I don't, I don't think so. And then and then Perth's probably seen it before, but not for a while. I think you had mm, the mining boom. Good decade. Back, back of the mining boom on 2012, the Perth market kind of got hit pretty hard. Vacancy rates skyrocketed in the CBDs from office vacancies and all the rest of it. That is well and truly been, um, you know, absorbed and that's uh, tr- you know, trending well and above of what they've seen in a long time. So I, I would say Perth's similar scope to Adelaide as far as the developers and, and everyone, you know, seeing this boom that they haven't seen in a while, but obviously Perth's been through it before. So it's just finding a block of land is increasingly difficult. Mm. So if you are fortunate enough and um, have the ability to buy one and, and there's one there, I'd, I'd say certainly, um, certainly jump on it. All right. Happy birthday, Mitch. Thank you. Thanks for a great app. Uh, and guys, please, loving the feedback that's coming through. Uh, it seems like we're going to try and get another guest on uh, at some point in, in the next uh, you know, month or two. Wow. So keep an eye out for that. Um, we'll be back with Quick Shots later this week. And, uh, yes, happy birthday, Mitch. Thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is the doubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is the doubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.